0: Uh, last week I spoke. We spoke. We were looking at conflict and dealing with, dealing with conflict or issues, but from a biblical perspective. Yeah, I actually think the biblical perspective overrides anything that you will ever learn in the world. I think the the things that the Bible and the Lord guides us in and to, cover off everything. And if we do them the way that He wants regardless of situations regardless of whether you find yourself in a in a court you know regardless of of how things are panning out when we deal with issues and conflict biblically god's way always tends to pan out yeah Yeah. the brilliance is that he sets it up for us specifically to start within the house of god uh, amongst ourselves and so last week all of you had a lovely time laughing at me over and over and um I'm hoping we can continue that today, not so much the laughter, but um, possibly (laughs) getting through some of the stuff that I wanted to get through last week. Is that all right? So really quickly, and um, let's see where God takes us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, thank you for laughter. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness. Thank you for the love that's poured so deeply into our hearts. Thank you that we are your children. Thank you that we walk and talk freely with the living God. Thank you that we're ambassadors, citizens of heaven. Thank you that we sit here in this place as a family, as your bride, as your hands and feet. Thank you that you minister to us, Lord, and empower us as we love and minister to others. And thank you for the words that you want to share into our hearts so that we can become, with ever-increasing glory more and more in the image of your Son, Jesus. So we thank you for today. And all these people said, Amen. Amen. Um, I've been harping on for ages and ages that everything in the Bible, everything that God talks about, for me anyway, is around family. You know, the language that he uses and all that sort of stuff. And um, my highlight for the week, because for me the week starts today, um, my highlight for the past week, was our, our our little church picnic down at Bunningong? It was a it was a miserable day, like seriously, like fair dinkum, man. There was a gale blowing. We were playing. Some of us were playing a type of bocce, you know, like you know, ethnic wog lawn bowls, really, with smaller balls. And It was so windy that I'm sure that some of those balls were blowing in the air as we were throwing them. Like it was just. So, but we had a had a great time, and I was just. Gobsmacked at how much and how many of our family attended, considering the weather. We had a lovely time. Down from us were the it was the Italian club. Now they were really playing bocce. They had string lines out. They had a, a little a little section that usually gets mowed for them so that they can play measuring tapes. They were professionals but it was lovely going over there to say good day because i know some of them and to speak to them and then point over to us because in the end we had more people than they did and it's like (laughs) see our our people were braver than your people you know they came they came out in the wind i just share all that to say i just love family you know i just i just loved it you know and that particular day the highlight for me was we caught up with some friends afterwards and it was just a perfect day it's just it's just a lovely day and i guess everything that the Lord keeps reminding me of and teaching me over and over is this sense of family where we need to love each other and learn to love each other. You know, it's something that we learn. It's not something that comes naturally, amen. And I know that from our leadership perspective at Mount Clear Church of Christ, our heart is to create such a culture that when people visit, when people pop in, our guests, that they experience that love. Yes, they experience the same God but i know that his presence flows here i was during our worship i had a moment with the lord and i said i i don't know lord why you move with such wonderful tangible presence and power in this place i'm not saying he's absent from other places but i do sense him so wonderfully and strongly in this house and i just said i don't know why you choose to do that for us but thank you you know thank you and i just think it's cuz it, we're talking family I think that's his heart, you know. So, there's a, a, an awesome quote by Pope Francis. And uh, and Pope Francis said this: the proclamation of saving, or the proclamation of the saving love of God comes before moral and religious imperatives. I'll break it down. What that means, in other words, is when God looks at you, He first sees someone He loves and wants unconditionally before He even is slightly concerned with your sin do you understand he first sees you and he wants you the sin in your life that separated all of us from him isn't even on the radar yet he just wants you amen and the cross when you think about the cross that's God's way of approving and loving and inviting all of us into heaven before before he even looks at our sin well that's just brilliant It's like, here's your invite. We don't even have to, well, I guess we have to RSVP by accepting Jesus, but it's not like a deadline RSVP. It's just there. He doesn't even look at our sin. And then we step into his family and he still doesn't condemn us for the things that have separated us from him. He just walks with us and deals with it one bit, one part, one level at a time. Amen? He's such a loving, loving father. And... I know we know this passage of Scripture, but the Message Bible this week, see, that, that quote from Pope Francis just jumped off the page for me, and I think God keeps teaching me and bringing me to newer depths in understanding this sort of relationship and family, to be honest. And John three sixteen and 17, but the Message version, the, the verse 16 is virtually the same, but verse 17 just rocked my world. This is how much God loved the world. He gave His Son, His one and only Son. And this is why, so that no one need be destroyed. By believing in Him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. Now catch verse 17. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending His Son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help to put the world right again. And to put the world right again means He came to put our relationships with Him right again yeah Like that's just that was just so phenomenal you and i are created for relationship and so you know the basic gospel so he sent jesus to die on a cross to restore what the enemy had stolen the enemy had stolen our relationship with him we are not saved from hell we are saved from being separated in relationship from father god and in doing that, in using the cross, he dealt with our sin, and thus we no longer go to hell. Yeah, so you and I, as far as I'm concerned, we were not created for hell, so I, we are not saved from hell. We were created for relationship, and so we are brought back into right relationship. And in doing that, the issue of sin and hell is dealt with. Yeah? We've got to understand that, how that flows, because that will determine how we walk out our faith. You know, if, if we walk out our faith that we believe that we're saved from hell, that would suggest, trust me, that would suggest that you believe you were created from hell and so you're forever walking to keep yourself out of there. <laughs> we don't have to keep ourselves out from there. He wanted a right relationship with us, so he sent his son to make that right. He didn't send his son to point his finger and say, you guys were out of whack. No, no. That's not what we do with our own kids. We love them, yeah? And as they know that they belong, as they know that they're accepted, they're able to believe. And as they believe, their behavior changes. And that's what happens to us as we journey with the Lord. Amen? So again, relationship and family are the focus and priority of Father God over and over again. And so here we are, we're talking about how to deal with conflict, how to deal with issues within us, within the family of God here, and how to deal with them specifically from a biblical, godly, Christian perspective, yeah? Because there are some ways that some Christians would choose to do things that I would suggest is not Christian, it's not godly, and is not biblical. Yeah. So let's see how we go. You ready? We have what eleven fourteen? Oh, we got we got 30 minutes thereabouts. Last week I shared that many of us um, actually I stated that none of us really like conflict, is what I said. I have to rehash just a little bit as we go. And I said that none of us really like conflict. And the truth is that none of us have really been taught how to deal with conflict or issues. Not at home, not by our parents, not at school, not at seminary, Bible college. We don't get taught unless you specifically go and do a course on that stuff. We really don't learn. We don't learn how how do we interact with each other in a way that's actually loving and caring and forgiving and uplifting and comforting and strengthening, you know. Yet God has so much to say on it because his focus and his concern is always on family. It's always on his children because he's concerned with relationships. Relationships with him and relationships with one another. That's why it's so important to understand John 13, 35 in context when it says, By this everyone will know that you're my disciples when you have love one for another. And that's what people see. Yeah, they see that and automatically they align that with Jesus. Oh, they love each other. Wow, look at that. You can tell they go to church. <laughs> you know, that's just how they work it out. It's important that we see each other and that the world sees us loving and getting along. And it, the reason it's important for us to understand is because how we deal with issues and conflict with each other will determine what many outside of the church will believe. Yeah? yeah? yeah. If we can't put aside, as Paul says, the childish things, what about me? It isn't fair, right? If we don't put aside the childish things when it comes to conflict and start treating each other as children of God with needs, we actually give, you've got to hear this, we actually give non-believers around us another excuse to mock Christianity and another excuse to deny Jesus when we stand on what is right rather than standing on relationship always trumps being right. Yeah? Yeah? So that means, let's, let's go a little bit deeper. That means for those of us who have not forgiven or can't forgive or refuse to place relationship ahead of and above being right, that means we are the cause for many that never come to Christ. It's a heavy thought, isn't it? Wow, thank you for this liberating message so early on a Sunday. But on the other hand, if we can understand how God works and why he asks us to do things, if we can embrace what Papa desires for us, if we can move in courage and actually trust him. I love some of the songs that we're talking about that this morning. See, when we're faced with issues, when we're faced with conflict, if we can display God's love, if you and I can respond in a completely unnatural way, right? because this is not natural, this is supernatural. if we can respond in an, with unnatural humility, wisdom and self-control, then those that are watching will probably wonder where we got the power to do that you know and in fact, I guarantee you it will open a door for you and I to have a conversation and introduce Jesus. I guarantee you if we do that because that's how it works that's why it says in first Peter three. I've got verse 15 and 16, but it's really verse 16 I need. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear and then get this. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. See, the way that we deal with stuff speaks volumes, yeah? There's a quote by Ken Sandy. He's a, he actually deals with conflict in the Christian realm. He's also a lawyer, believe it or not. But he has this wonderful quote that I put in the Logos and it says, When Christians become peacemakers, they can turn conflict into an opportunity to strengthen relationships and make their lives a testimony to the love and power of Jesus Christ. You're intelligent, people. You know what the opposite of that is, yeah? So last week we were talking about conflict. So let's see if we can run through some of the areas that I think we, we need to or how to deal with conflict from a biblical perspective you know and last week again I just got to I have to touch on this stuff really quickly um, I made the comment that it's normal to feel afraid when it comes to conflict you know it's it's normal ever since Adam ever since Adam mucked up you know if you you read the whole story where he and Eve do do the deed and they eat the apple if you choose it's an apple. I believe it's an apple. I think it's symbolic of the apple phone. No, I don't. Anyway, sorry. Anyway, that's why there's a bite out of the logo. Anyway, but that's that's for another story. <laughs> I'm getting into some heresy now. <laughs> sorry. Oh, just okay, just bring it, bring it back, bring it back to the gospel and get off technology. All right. But ever since that time, yeah, God came looking for them and they were hiding because of shame, yeah. the first thing they did was to cover up. We talked about that last week. And ever since that moment, you and I have had this wonderful natural ability to hide from God, to cover up, to keep parts or all of our heart and life away from Him. Even when we're walking with Him, there's still parts of our lives that we try to keep from Him. And then we wonder why when we get into relationships, be it with our, with our besties, with our friends, or with our spouses, we wonder why we're forever hiding stuff and not allowing them to see us the way that we really are. And it's all because of shame. It's all, of, it's all because that, that shame really, that fear is, is really a fear of emotion. It's really a, a fear of emotion. It's a fear of being exposed. It's a, it's a fear of being vulnerable. Hmm. And so they cover it up. And when we have a fear of our emotions, particularly in line when we're thinking about issues and conflict and speaking to people, it actually starts to create three areas, three problems for us, all of us, particularly those that are in the conflict. So it makes us distant, makes us defensive, and it makes us demanding. Let me unpack it for you. You think about any conflict that you've had, be it with your children, sometimes with your spouse is an easy one to pick on, even with friends, yeah, when an issue arises, because of fear, fear of emotion, fear of being vulnerable, fear of being exposed, because what's naturally in us because of the fall, we go into this this distance, we start to hide, we want to withdraw, we want to isolate, we want to pull back, you know, I don't want to spend time with you anymore, I don't like you actually as a side note that usually ruins a relationship i was putting it out there you know friends husbands wives however that works yeah that is going to ruin your relationship probably not do that you know it's probably a good thing not to consider you know running and pulling back then then at the same time we can become really defensive because we want to defend ourselves you know and we start to attack the other person i'm not like that at home at all in my mouth No, you know, we have all kinds of excuses. Actually, in fact, to be honest, this is one for the men so that the women can understand (laughs) right how men think. Not to say that we're right, but so that you can understand how wrong we are in our thinking, yeah? Often often when there's conflict between a a husband and wife um, and the wife's sharing with the husband and sharing how she's feeling, and you can relate to this, Mel, I'm assuming the many times that you've told me how you're feeling about different things that are obviously very encouraging always. Anyway, she starts sharing about how she feels. Then because of the fear of emotion and being exposed and vulnerable, my normal reaction would be, let me pull out my spreadsheet and give you the logical point-by-point reasons why that's not correct. Any man ever done that? Every man does that. We just go into logical breakdown mode, yeah? It's like, oh, you know what? You feel like that. Well, you can't feel like that because A, B, C, D, and actually E, F, G, H, and, and we keep going. You know, that's probably not a good way to do it. But we go into a defensive mode and we come up with all kinds of excuses so we don't have to reveal our true self. That's what happens when we have conflict one with another? We come up with all sorts of reasons why we don't have to, you know, Put our, allow our guard to come down, so to speak. Or we could become really demanding. And again, I'm seeing this in my son Nathan. I'm not sure which of us he gets it from. Yeah, I've got to admit, I think it's more me, to be honest. He, he likes to have the last word when there's conflict. See... Boom, yeah, it's like that, bam. Do you know what? I know I've experienced that with you, Andrew, in that office. (laughs) I came in, I was sharing my heart, and then then as I was finished, you said something, and then you waved me goodbye. (laughs) Quick, 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 go, close the door. I just had the last word. You know, we want to control the situation because we have this fear, this fear of conflict, which is a fear of emotion, which is really the fear of being vulnerable and the fear of being exposed you know, and it's, it's it's that fear that keeps us from connecting. You ought to hear this. It's that fear that keeps us, you and I, from connecting at the deepest level. I'm talking at the deepest level. Most of us have not had a deep soul intimate relationship with somebody else. I'm not talking about sex, right? I'm talking about soul to soul, a deep soul intimate connection with one another because to go there we can't be adam and eve covering up hiding in the bushes we have to be vulnerable we have to be exposed our emotions will come to the surface so fear robs us robs you and i of having together that deep intimate relationship and so you go from church to church yeah and people have loved their churches, but they never feel connected. It's a two-way street. It's not just one person's issue. It's also the other person's. It's not because the church is l- large that you don't know people. It's because you don't have a deep, soul, intimate connection. You've not positioned yourself and allowed yourself and exposed yourself to actually have that. But that's how the family works, yeah? That's how the family of God works. See, the thought of that for me is not what we don't have. The thought of that for me is really exciting for what Father God desires for us and where we can go and what he will do when we're in that place and moving toward that place, the blessings that will pour out. Because when he can have a family of God that is so... So intertwined and loving on each other, children loving children, regardless of size, he will pour out his blessing with abundance. Yeah, there will be signs and miracles and wonders because he realizes that we're children that trust him, and so he trusts us. Yeah, I love that because I know the journey as a church that we're on. I'm not setting us up against any other church. Every church has its own flavor, its own DNA, its own core values. And they're usually locked up and intertwined in the leadership of that church because their hearts are what come out. The heart for Mel and I, and for the leadership of this church is for us to move in relationship and to move in family so closely knitted that there's not conflict. And when there is, we deal with it. So when people come, they feel like they belong. And when they feel like they belong, they receive that love. They start to believe and God just deals with their behavior. Bit by bit, because they're loved. Yeah. They're accepted, amen? Yeah. I reckon that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. It's only courageous people that face conflict. And we, I talked about that last week, so I don't want to go down a big road. But it takes courage. It takes courage to, to step up and talk to others. Takes courage just to, you know, I guess acknowledge that there's an issue. It takes courage. I remember once there was uh, I had some conflict with a particular person, and uh, I, I I haven't always dealt with stuff brilliantly. I'm still still learning. God's still teaching me, but I remember this particular person uh, visited, and I said to that person because I, I had this deep conviction that this just isn't right. I you was know, a Christian. Christian brother and I said to this person I said look you know I said the way that you're acting this isn't Christ-like there has to be a better way now the response for me from that point that that for me was me stepping up finally stepping up and saying we've got to deal with this the response back was you've had your opportunity you've had your chance too late now I guarantee you that is not Christ-like not a single (laughs) aota not a little bit not even a mustard seed (laughs) That's just nothing we're not supposed to be like that because the way that we deal with one another is what speaks to those people that are out there that don't know him yeah so we have such a great responsibility to be able to learn how to love one another so that when the community gets involved when the community sees us they see and experience this love of god that we keep talking about So conflict resolution and conflict within a church family, when we deal with it, it's never about resolving the issue. Hear me. Never about resolving the issue. Issue might be resolved. It might. And it probably can be and probably will be to a degree. Yeah? Because we're all individuals. Christ has created us. We are his workmanship, aren't we? Yeah? Yeah? Yeah. And as his workmanship, we're unique individuals. So that means every one of us have our own opinions, yeah? And like all opinions, they're like armpits. They stink, yeah? Come on, that was a good one. You've got to give me better credit. Some of those jokes, I know I've used them before, but please, you know? Like, you know it's like winding up at an old lawnmower. We're all, we're all individuals, yeah? With our own opinions, our own ideas, our own hearts, yeah? Our own thoughts, so we're never always going to agree 100%. But we have to understand this, that when we're talking about dealing with something as Christians, it's never about resolving the issue. It's always about saving the relationship. Yeah. If that is at the forefront of your mind, whenever you're dealing with one another, one another, how can there ever be an issue at the end? How can there ever be be an issue at the end if we're setting out with one focus we're going to save this relationship we're going to make sure this thing doesn't die yeah there wouldn't even look i've been through a divorce there wouldn't even be divorce think about it yeah so this is really important especially for parents and grandparents because our kids are always watching us constantly watching us And if they see us being defensive, critical, unreasonable, impulsive, I'm never impulsive, am I, Mel? Do you know what? I'm glad that you can lie in church. That is awesome. I actually expected her to say, What? You're always impulsive. Like, if we don't deal with things right, if we don't deal with issues with one another right, our kids are watching. What do you think they're going to copy? What do you think they're going to imitate? That's what they're going to imitate, aren't they? They'll learn the same behavior when they deal with stuff in life. But, but if they see us as Christians, as children of God, that can breathe grace, yeah, that breathe grace into that situation, yeah, that's what they'll imitate. That, that's what they'll learn. <laughs> I reckon that's where we should be heading. So look, with very limited time, last week I talked about Uh, The first thing that we need to do as Christians in dealing with issues is taking the initiative. Be brave. Suck it up. Go and face. There's only one way to deal with conflict, and it's to face it. It's not to attack it, right? It's not to do any of that. It's simply to face it. Because when there's an issue with our children, we face it. We approach them. I don't always do it well, but at least I always take the initiative of facing it mel will tell me that i need to breathe before i face it but we face it we deal with it we get into the room we have a conversation we just need to learn to breathe grace we we need to be a people that draws continually on the goodness and the power of jesus yeah Yeah. think about it because if we're his children and, and 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 we're supposed to pour love on his children then we need to be the peacemaker we need to be the people that breathe grace Because at the end of the day, a simple thought, someone needs to be Jesus. Just putting it out there, someone needs to be Jesus. But I don't want to be. I want to be angry because you deserve my wrath. Oh, yeah, I could see Jesus saying that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, right. Yeah. Just before the cross, you know. You know, God, Lord, father, I know you want me to go to the cross and I love you, but they deserve death like hello that's the attitude we're taking when we don't want to deal with something when we don't want to face and breathe grace to it in a situation that's the attitude we have it doesn't work in family does it could you imagine that I know there are families around the globe that do that. I've been to weddings where some people can't sit there because it's next to them and they can't sit there because it's there. Ne- what a way to live. Could you imagine that? And imagine at a big ethnic wedding where you've got three, 400 people and you're trying to juggle these 30 people that won't sit next to each other. I'd put them outside in the foyer. Like, don't even come. Like, you can't work like that as family. Could you imagine how small your Christmas lunches are getting? Matthew 5, nine 9. Uh, you're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. Message version. Awesome. It's awesome. That's how family works, isn't it? That's how family works. That's why it says in Matthew, still in chapter 5, verse 9, but the NIV version of that particular scripture, blessed are the peacemakers, yeah, for they'll be called children of God. You are already children of God. You've got to understand this. I've taught on the Beatitudes before. But when you step into a place where you're a peacemaker, it's like they're children of God. It's now exemplified, yeah, because you're in that role. You're doing that. So we need to bring love, mercy, forgiveness, strength, wisdom into any conflict we face. Because as far as daddy's concerned, as far as papa's concerned, to be reconciled to one another is the most important thing. That's his heart. That's why it says in Matthew 5, in verse 24, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Do you know, on a side note, that is the perfect scripture to suggest we should do offering at the end of the service. So people can go make things right with everyone and then they can still leave their offering. So it's not like leave your offering and then walk out the door. It's like leave your offering, make it right with people and then come back and give your offering, yeah? Yeah. You guys aren't going with it, are you? No, so we'll keep moving. All right. The second part is we need to confess our part of the conflict. And uh, last week, all I said was even if if our issue in a conflict, even if it's only 1% of the reason that there's an issue, if we take the initiative and we go up to someone and we say, look, we're really sorry. I, I was really selfish. I was thinking about myself. You know, the reason that we're here is because I blah, 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 That humility already diffuses the situation. You can do that in any context. You're not placing blame on them. You're not doing any of that. You're actually facing, you're actually taking, you've been courageous. You're taking the initiative. You're going up to someone and say, hey, Mel, you know what? When we, I'm really sorry about the other night when we argued. That was my fault. I shouldn't have reacted the way that I reacted. I didn't hear your heart. Um, But if you could buy me that large 50 inch television, that would be awesome. I just thought I'd throw that in in church setting because it's really hard to say no in front of everyone. When when we got married, in fact, I actually proposed in front of the church because it's really hard to say no in front of people. So... (laughs) That, that was my thinking, you know, really behind it. If I do it here, if I do it here now, she won't deny me. Come on, you know. I had flowers hidden behind a timber pulpit rostrum thing. And as she said, yes, I pulled out the flowers like, yes. It's a 50-inch television. Anyway. Um, but it, <laughs> see that once you're married for 15 plus years, things change, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> point is take responsibility for your part yeah however small diffuse the entire situation you know we need to know and see each other and each other as children of god and as children of god like any other child we have needs needs to be loved encouraged nurtured strengthened yeah so we take the initiative and we take responsibility but here's where i want to jump to really quickly so we need to listen for hurt there's a saying that says hurt people hurt people and the truth is that generally if you're being hurt by someone I think you could narrow it down to one of a couple of things. One, you've either hurt them or they've been hurt by someone else and now they're hurting you. And I would put it up there in the 96, 7% percentile of accuracy with that particular comment, yeah? Because when you get hurt, you hurt others. So we need to be a people that listen for hurt in the middle of conflict. Yeah, listen for hurt in the middle of conflict conflict melanie often i know i pick on her but she really is the holy spirit to me she's the holy spirit see when i'm genuine i cry she's the holy spirit in our relationship when it comes to our kids to leading the church you know she's she is the holy spirit voice to me often and she often tells me when i'm dealing with situations it could be my kids it could be in the life of the church it could be with us she says you're not hearing them you're not Hearing me, you're not actually. You, you, you're not. You, you're not. We're not meeting at the same place, you know. And and she'll say things like they're hurt or they're afraid or these are real feelings. You're not. You're not hearing them. Can you hear me? And I, I guess I have a habit of wanting to like. I guess lots of men. I want to fix things, just straight away instead of just sitting back and and listening. Listening. Yet, Father God tells us really clearly in James one nineteen, and we need to know this for when we're dealing with issues with one another. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. You know, should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. That's the Father's way of saying, beware, be caring, be considerate. Yeah? To listen for hurt, I'm going I'm to share something that's a revelation. To listen for the hurt, we have to listen. Yeah? Yeah? We have to listen. In fact, we need to listen twice as much as we're speaking. There's another saying, and it says, That's why God gave us two ears and just one mouth, because we have to listen twice as much as we speak. Yeah? I'm sure Mel's taking notes when we're at home next time, you know? Because listening's the key to understanding where people are coming from, it's the key to understanding their circumstance, their perspective, you know, even understanding their background. Uh, for those that are, have got children or grandchildren you know i know that as as mel and i have re- read our kids and even w- with our girls and my girls in the early days if they would cry or if the boys cried we knew their cry the different sounds meant different things we just knew that we knew one was a nappy one was food one was i don't want to sleep so i just want to pester you you know we we knew all of those yeah we just like I reckon most parents would just know. You just know when there's anguish and distress versus everything else. You just, you just learn. And for us as Christians, in dealing with each other, we need to listen to the cries in the midst of conflict so that we can hear the hurt. Yeah. Because really, you're just a little child, and I'm just a little child. And so we should be treating each other as children with needs. And when a child cries... We just need to discern the need, see where the hurt is. I'm hungry. I need to be changed. I feel filthy, you know, whatever it might be. I'm overtired, etc. We just need to keep this in mind. When we're dealing with conflict, we're actually dealing with people, yeah, dealing with each other. We're not disposable. You're not disposable. You are dearly loved and valued by God so much that he sent his son to restore his relationship with you. That's how valuable you are. That's why it says in 1 Corinthians 10.31, it's how important it is that we understand how to live. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Yeah? Disowning people, making yourself distant, becoming defensive, attacking others, that's not bringing glory to God. And first and foremost, we should be wanting to be more and more like Jesus with ever-increasing glory, yeah? Obeying what he's commanded us. So we need to listen, hear, and learn. Make the relationship right again. Give people around us the reason to know and see the love of God, I reckon. And bring glory to his name. You know, we need to be able to consider other people's perspectives. That's a really easy one. Consider their needs, not yours. That's a hard one, particularly for me. I'm still learning that one. I sometimes tend to. Place myself first in some of the issues that arise at home. I don't know if any of you ever do that yourself. You're probably all selfless. I can be selfish. Please don't agree to that, Mel. You know, I've got to learn to make other people's needs a priority, not just my, my own. We all need to try to get their perspective on the issue. And by the end of the day... One of us should be breathing grace. One of us should have decided who's going to be Jesus in this, you know. Even if we disagree with one another. It's just going to happen. Someone in the church might say, I love the peach carpet. Yeah. No, don't laugh. There there, there have been some. Might still be some. And without wanting to offend anyone. I would have to turn around and find a rubbish bin really quickly because it's not attractive carpet. But for those that do like the carpet, I still have to love them anyway. Yeah? Fortunately, being the pastor of the church, we will change the carpet one day. Right? Putting that aside and knowing that, I will love them even if we disagree, walk hand in hand even if we can't see eye to eye. Because it's not about the carpet. It's about the relationship, amen? Always about the relationship. And what you've got to understand, for those people that may like the peach carpet, they may have got saved in this church, as an example, and this carpet was here. They came and one of their parents passed away and the funeral was held here and there's just a memory of the building. And so there's this attachment to why we've got an issue all of a sudden so we can't we can't play with the issue we need to understand the perspective while at the same time loving each other even when we disagree and when we do it god's way from a christian perspective two christians on either side yeah we understand that relationship always trumps being right and so we work together to come to a happy medium where we walk hand in hand without having to see eye to eye amen Philippians 2, 4 and 5, don't look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others. You must, you must have the same attitude that Christ just had. So we need to see the needs of others as a priority. It's a brilliant scripture. You should look at the word um, look. It's the Greek word scopio. It means to scope. It's like a microscope or a telescope. It hones in on something. Yeah. So what it's actually saying is don't, don't hone in on your own interests. Hone in, focus intently on the interests and the needs of others, yeah? And like that, we're being, we're being like Christ. I'm going to show my age here, but St. Francis of Assisi prayed a prayer. And there was a song that was sung once, and when I first came to the Lord, it was like an old hymn, and I used to play it on my tape deck. Oh, my goodness. If there was any youth in here, they'd be like, what's a tape deck? What's that? Well, you get a pencil in you... No. And St. Saint, Saint Francis of Assisi prayed this, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. And where there is discord, union. The virgin I had was better. Where there is doubt, faith. And where there is despair, hope. And where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love, For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we're born to eternal life. We are the most like Jesus when we can focus on each other. Amen? Hmm. Mm -hmm. I won't read it because of time, but have a look at 1 Corinthians 12, 21 to 27. The eye can never say to the hand, but we are all part of the same body, and we are all needed. yeah? Yeah? Yeah, one can't say to the other, "I don't need you." We are all needed, and this is me just sharing what what I feel like Daddy's been teaching me, learning from him, learning through the Holy Spirit, learning from my wife, learning. You know, we need to be people that are able to. T- Why don't we stand? Because I'll finish with this because I'm looking at the time and it's getting there. We need to be able to speak the truth gently, yeah, with one another. Sometimes we have to share truth. That's what we do. And Ephesians 4.15 says instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. So if we don't speak the truth in love, what's the opposite of that? We're not growing like him, are we? Not even close. So we're, never, we're not supposed to use the truth like a cricket bat. It doesn't work. Or even a baseball bat. That doesn't work. You can try... But you can't beat someone into submission with the truth. We need to use truth delicately, thoughtfully. That's why it says in Proverbs 12, 18, the words of the reckless pierce like words, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Yeah? We've all been hurt by words, and we can never get our point across by being cross. Yeah? We can never get our point across by being cross. I'm sure I shared it last week, but Mel picks on me all the time. When I'm dealing with the children, say it in love. Say it in love. Didn't sound that like you were loving them then. Say it in love. Say it with love. Don't say it while you're angry. I'm not angry! (sighs) Now, Samuel, (laughs) but again, I understand it's not you. It's all me. Rick Warren has a quote that says, you're never persuasive when you're abrasive. I love that. You're never persuasive when you're abrasive. People change faster and easier when the truth is wrapped in love. So we need to remember that we're children of God. And just like I won't swear in front of my kids and I try not to lose my temper or be impulsive in front of my children, we need to be the same with one another, amen? Amen. Like it's really quite simple. Look at the person next to you, whoever might be behind you. You are called to love on them, yeah? Like... Look at someone that you don't like. No, no, don't do that. <laughs> Look, then they'll know. Don't do that. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Ephesians 4. Why is everyone looking at me? Yeah, someone. <laughs> Ephesians 4.29 says, Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will build encouragement to those that, who hear them. Don't attack the person. Attack the problem. Most of us have never learnt that. So when there's an issue, we attack the person. I'm guilty of that at home. Samuel, don't do that. Don't be such a... Mel goes, don't label him. But he's really being such a... That's not love. At the moment, I'm not feeling very loving. I'm going to walk away. (laughs) Again, I understand it's just my home. But I I know people love to come to my home because they learn that they are awesome Christians when they see me in action, right? That's okay. That's part of the strength that I have as a pastor, to be able to build you up in your faith, in your walk. (laughs) Fix the problem, not the blame. Don't pass the buck. Fix the problem, not the blame. Colossians 3.8 says, But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. In other words, don't get into a disagreement, an argument, when there's an issue or conflict. Because all you're going to end up doing is attacking the person and you're going to be passing blame. And the truth is, we're there, we're there, we're there, we're there to save the relationship because relationship always trumps being right. Romans 14, 13 says, Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Yeah, Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother and a sister. I'll tell you why we're not supposed to blame, because blame is a form of judgment, and judgment is reserved for God. We can't tell, and we don't have the... I said we can't understand the intent of the heart. He can, we can't. So for us, we just need to love and love and love and love and love. Can we love each other even when we disagree? Oh, I'm going to say this in church. This is an oxymoron. Oh, hell yes, we can. Yeah. Can we love each other while we disagree? Yes. Can we walk hand in hand even when we don't see eye to eye? Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, we can. Because that is being a Christian. That is keeping focus that relationship always trumps being right. That is learning to disagree without being disagreeable. Yeah, that is being Jesus. Amen. So why don't we just close our eyes. I'm going to pray. And I want to put out a challenge. If any of you, right at the moment, just ask the Father, if there is an issue, an unresolved issue that you have with a brother or sister, whether it's in this house or another house, my challenge to you is to step out in faith, to take the initiative. Own your portion of the issue. Don't don't blame them. Listen to the hurt, but address it. Make it right for the sake of saving the very thing that Jesus died on the cross for, to restore our relationship with God. And so the challenge is to keep and restore your relationship with one another. So Father, I just thank you, Lord, for... Lord, your word, I thank you for your teachings. I thank you for your son. I thank you, Lord, for the laughs that we can have even when things are confronting. I thank you, Father, in everything. As you speak to us, as you teach us, as you lead us, as you guide us, we are becoming more and more like your son, Jesus, with ever-increasing glory. Father, we are expectant as a people. We look forward to the next level of strength that we'll walk in. Father, the next level of glory that we'll experience. And we just continue to say, have your way in our lives, Lord Jesus. Have your way. And all these people said...